0: This is Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow is a nonprofit organization engaging the public on critical quality of life issues so we make informed choices for our community's future. Visit us on the web at Seaviltomorrow.org. On November 7th, 2017, Voters in the city of Charlottesville go to the polls to elect their representatives to two seats on the Charlottesville City Council. This recording is Brian Wheeler's October 12, 2017 interview with Kenneth Wayne Jackson, an independent. Other candidates in this race include Independent John Edward Hall, Democrat Heather Hill, Democrat Amy Lawfer, Independent Paul Long, and Independent Nakia Walker. Mr. Jackson, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville Tomorrow. The complete online audio recording and written transcript for this interview will be available online. Information from this interview will be used in the compilation of the nonpartisan voter guide being produced by Charlottesville Tomorrow. Charlottesville Tomorrow does not endorse any candidates, and our goal is to provide information to the public so they can make an informed vote on issues primarily related to land use, transportation, public education, and community design. As you are aware, the first two questions you will be asked have been provided in advance. For the others, you have been provided only the topic in advance. All City Council candidates will be asked the same questions. We ask that you keep these questions confidential until all candidates have been interviewed. Each candidate will be provided an opportunity to review the excerpts selected for the voter guide before its publication. Are you ready to start? Yes. Question number one. Please describe your past experience that qualifies you to be on Charlottesville City Council. I'm born and raised
1: in Charlottesville. I have over 28 years of restaurant management and hotel management experience. Therefore, I know about profit and loss, budgets and all that. I've also been involved in government since I was 16 years old. It's something that's a passion to me. And when I say involved in government, I mean reading up on the laws that oversee our government, especially our local government. And I think I have a unique insight because people talk about the changing Charlottesville and gentrification. Well, I've witnessed it firsthand. And it's not just a racial thing, it's actually an economic thing. Black, white, Hispanic, all are, you know, what do you say? All are experiencing that. We just aren't talking about it with each other. But that's fine.
0: Question number two. What is your top priority for action by the city council
1: if you're elected? First is to bring back decorum and respect to our council meetings, our planning commission meetings. No citizen should fit sit there and feel intimidated because a gang, regardless of which their purpose is, Takes over a meeting. You know, for us as a city council to allow that to go on, we're actually breaking the law ourselves. We're allowing an intimidating and violent atmosphere. And no citizen should be allowed to experience that. But we need to bring back decorum and respect, do away with the hand gestures, learn how to sit there and listen to a person when they talk. And then if we have something to say, then we can speak ourselves. Also, I want to do away with this lottery thing. When you come in, it's first come, first serve. We'll sign up as many as we have to. If we have to sign up 50 people that wish to speak, that's fine. If you're a group that has the same topic, each and every one of you don't need to get up and speak. And you want to say the exact same thing. It's a waste of time.
0: Question number three. Name both a revenue item and an expense item in the city budget that
1: you're concerned about and tell us why. There, well, that's so many of them, but the runoff tax or fees, who, you know, they always talk about helping the poor and low income. Those things hurt them. It may not seem like much when the city hits you with a $250 a year bill, but for people who are on Medicaid and stuff who have to pay co-pays and premiums and things, that's a lot of money. And we need to be mindful of that. The expense that concerns me is the plans for the Belmont Bridge, a million dollars spent and wasted. These lawsuits we're going through, which the city just brushes off. The insurance company already said they're not paying for anything that deals with the statute. That means this is coming out of the city coffers. It's hitting the taxpayers. These expenses and unnecessary expenses, and Seiko said something that I thought was very stupid. I'll act now and apologize later. That tells me you don't give one good hoot about the citizens that you're supposed to represent.
0: And you mentioned the runoff tax, and just for the listeners, that would be the stormwater utility fee or the rain tax, as some people call it, right?
1: Yes. And a lot of the times, the runoff actually goes in people's yard. It doesn't go down the street.
0: Question number four. If elected, what will you do to help our community move forward in the aftermath of this past summer's violent demonstrations, and how will you seek to best represent and effectively serve our economically and racially diverse communities?
1: Well, Charlottesville has ever, always been economically and racially diverse, even since I was a child. I mean, I have to school with Asians, blacks, whites, rich to poor, and we all treated each other the same. To sit here and say that we're going to have equity and everyone's going to be equal is a lie, and I'm not going to perpetrate that lie. Nowhere in no civilization has everyone always been treated equal. I mean, justice should be fair, but race relations, I think if we learn how to talk to each other, you know, we keep doing August 12th and when the Klan came and stuff, it was a small group of people who were busted in. A lot of the protesters were busted in, regardless of what they think. Because then they lash back on the black community that we weren't down here. We were not defending ourselves. The black community, we have nothing to do with it. We didn't have an issue with the statue. Mr. Bellamy and Ms. Seiko's brought that issue together. This hidden racism. Racism and hate has been around since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve. What people want to do is they want to move forward. They want to deal with the real issues. As far as the economic diversity, the whole thing is I'm not going to take to the rich to give to the poor. What I'm going to do is help the poor better themselves, get them good jobs, clear up their credit, get them some transportation, real transportation, do the Wheels to Work program. You know, there's a lot of talk about workforce development. That's been bantered around for five decades, and it's nothing more than a means of getting federal and state money, and nothing ever really comes of it. We need to work with all these companies, I don't care how small they are, because they're looking for employees, and they're looking for qualified employees. We need to teach people how to work, how to prepare for a job, what a job entails. Most young people that get on jobs now, they don't stay. Someone yelled at me. It's a part of life. You and I both know that. I mean, I'm 50 years old, there have been days I didn't want to go to work, but you got to do what you got to do to survive. And a lot of these poor people, they don't want handouts. They want hands up.
0: Question number five. City, county, and UVA officials meet regularly to discuss issues of mutual interest as part of the Planning and Coordination Council, or PAC. What is one specific area of cooperation involving the university
1: that you would like to see addressed? One of the biggest things is encroachment. And encroachment isn't just in the black, lower-class neighborhoods, it's in the middle-class and working neighborhoods as well. UVA has to be mindful. I'm mindful that UVA is the largest employer in this area. I'm also mindful that they're one of the best colleges in the world, and universities. They produce a great quantity of things, and we can utilize UVA, Piedmont and all our other academics, The city and county and UVA doesn't just have to sit down at these little meetings and think everything is great. We actually need to plan. Which way are you going to develop? Because UVA is going to grow. Is it going to grow out more into the county, which would be nice, but it has to be done a certain way and the city has to be able to help. You can't really grow too much into the city because you have residential neighborhoods. And they cannot compete with the taxes and stuff that UVA can pay. And really, UVA really doesn't pay too much tax because they are a state entity and they are our education entity. But we need to sit down and be mindful. We work together. We're a part of each other. I mean, the county, the city, UVA, we've always been a part of each other. But we've never had this much tension. And when we sit down at these meetings, afterwards I think we need to have an open meeting where the public and the citizens can actually sit in there. It needs to be advertised, it needs to be in a comfortable place. We can use the county board office, which is perfect, or UVA probably has a bigger thing. But we need to include the citizens so they'll know what's going on and we're not doing everything behind closed doors. Question number six. While there are many
0: areas of city-county cooperation, such as water and sewer services, schools, the airport, the regional jail, there is currently tension over issues that range from bikes at the Reagan Mountain Natural Area, the subject of a lawsuit, to the future location of Albemarle's court facilities. What do you attribute this tension
1: to, and what will you do to promote mutually beneficial relations? First of all, I'd have to come in and see why we are at each other's throats. You know, Albemarle moves the court system. People don't seem to understand. That's the sheriff's office and everything else. That's going to affect every business downtown. They buy lunch here, they buy clothes here, they do a lot of stuff. They put their clothes in the cleaners here. They move it out to another area. It's going to economically impact Charlottesville. As far as the Ragged Mountain, that's Albemarle's property we cannot force ourselves or our, what we think is right on someone. I mean, we also have to look at what a majority of the citizens want. You know, a majority of the citizens don't use Mountain, And I've had people come up to me and ask me what I put what I would what I guarantee to put money aside for bike lanes and stuff. I have no problem with bikers. Yesterday One kid went by on this big bike, and he headed up in the air, and he's in the wrong lane and stuff. Another gentleman, he just went past a whole row of cars while we were stopping. Bikes have rules of the road. And I will let the police enforce those rules, even on a biker. Because if you're going to share the road, you have to have just as much respect as you expect that person in the car to have. Because that person in the car pays taxes, a lot of taxes. (laughs) Fees, decals, and everything else. So when it comes to issues like this, we should never be in a lawsuit with the county. We should be able to sit down and come to some agreement. And if it may, it may not be what we want. Question number seven. What
0: would you like to see changed about the way city council and the city manager do business, both at its meetings and outside the public eye?
1: First of all, city council is an elected body. When we're discussing issues dealing with one another as council members, it can be open to the public. We're not personnel. You know, this little meeting they went into about Mike Signer and all this stuff, I guess they went into one with West about West Bellamy, but not that big. You know, there are issues that can be open to the public, and that's one of them. The city manager and the city council, and let's understand something, I don't do backflips for Maurice Jones, I've known him since he was at 29. But your city manager and your city council have to work effectively. Also, city manager doesn't hire an assistant city manager or directors until you know, the city council approves it. I don't just want my directors responsible to my city manager because if there's something going wrong and he wants to look good, he will stop it right at his office. I want to have an open-door policy that if something is wrong, you can come to us. Your name's not going to be released and stuff. and At least let us look into it. Inspect what you expect. I also have a concern that... a city of 42,000 people. We have two assistant city managers and a city manager who makes a quarter of a million dollars a year. You know, I don't care how much we want to say Charlottesville a great city and oh we've got all this money and stuff. No, we don't. And it's ridiculous that we're spending that much on staff. Some people are saying hire more staff, hire more staff. Government is not a business. We make our money off taxes fees and fines we can not afford to blow money we can't afford to sit here and keep having this attrition of employees you know they're here one day and gone the next people are getting frustrated you know there are things they should be able to come to us and talk to us about and we need to listen and not get offended but that's the only way it's going to work oh yeah and the city manager should not be over the police chief. We hire the police chief. I want, I want to actually, I want a separate police department. But we hire someone who is supposed to know the law, know how to enforce the law and oversee a department. You know, we had one that was very good, which was Gary Pleasance. He's second in command. He knew the. he's been here. He knows the city. He's well liked in all the neighborhoods. Longo was well liked in all the neighborhoods. Yeah, you're going to have people that protest and come out and stuff. But look at what they do. I've been in the black neighborhoods and they say this police chief, they don't see. They see Longo. They see Garrett Pleasants. That's what they want. They want communication. They want to see police. They want to be able to talk to them. I want to bring back the mounted police. You know, but when it comes down to things, the city manager should not control the police department. Because what happens if They have to arrest you. Then they're afraid of being fired. Question number
0: eight. What is your top transportation priority, and how will it be funded?
1: I would like to get together with UVA and Albemarle County and look at the city's transportation as far as out into Albemarle. Then I would like to get together with Nelson Green, Buckingham, Fluvanna, Louisa, all these surrounding counties where people come in here. And we also have to be mindful. Places like Louisa and stuff are growing up, so they may not want to come into the transportation issue. But when it comes to regional transportation, we need to stop talking about it and actually start doing something about it. We need to look for grants. We need to look for any kind of funds we can get. We need to work with Democrats, Republicans, independents, whoever is our federal and state leaders. Put aside party differences and our little petty differences and actually work to get whatever Charlottesville and Albemarle needs. Because Albemarle has proven that it can grow without Charlottesville. We've lost a lot of businesses and Albemarle has allowed a lot of shopping centers. That's revenue we're not getting.
0: Question number nine What specifically should City Council do to promote employment? and what type of jobs
1: will be your priority? Well, first of all, everyone's talking about technical jobs, which is beautiful. I mean, I've met a gentleman, his son owns a tech company, and I'm trying to get him employed. Some employees are, especially younger people, because they haven't done it. They don't know that they can be trained in it. But also, we have to realize that there's construction, there's roads. There's so many other jobs out there that we need to train people for. I always say, what do you like to do? The young man I was trying to get the job for, he likes landscaping. So I'm going to work with UVA and try and get him on at Buildings and Grounds. Clean record, clean drugs and stuff. But this is a young man who came to me and said, I want my own place. I want to help my grandma out, and I don't want to be a burden on her. You have a young person that's 23 tell you that, that tells you, you know, I can't just say, well, you want technical. That's not what he wants to do. There's people who want to do drywall. There's a lot of things out there. We can't just focus on one thing. I hear so many candidates and stuff patting themselves back on the technical aspect. But say that tech only needs 1,500 people and you put out 3,000. What happens to the other 1,500 that can't get employed? So we need to look at, when we talk about jobs and creation, we need to work with local employers. We need to work with our Chamber of Commerce. We need to include downtown businesses. Anyone who does business in Charlottesville and Albemarle, those are the people we need to get with. And it doesn't make a difference which kind of business they do. Question number 10. Do you support the
0: redevelopment of Charlottesville's public housing sites and Friendship Court to create vibrant mixed-income and mixed-use neighborhoods without displacement of
1: existing residents? Why or why not? First of all I don't because mixed-use they throw that out real quick and mixed-use contains and really means a lot of things But you also have to realize, you know, you're putting low-income people in there with rich people or well-to-do people. Because Charlottesville's idea of middle class is like 200,000. You know, it's just not a good mix. I hate to tell you that because I don't want to see rich people all the time and I'm poor. I may not be eating at night and they're out there cooking steaks then how long am I going to stay here? Friendship courts, when community partnership, the ones that own, I call it Prospect, they didn't change it to something else. They bought friendship courts and they were told us that it was always going to stay housing. They were going to keep it. They got all this federal money, renovated it, they made money off it, and then they dumped it. You know, public housing is a joke. The feds have been on us for the longest time. Now, I've done, they call it, inspections for HUD. And what you do is you go into these places, and every little hole and nook, crack, whatever you see, they want pictures of. The apartment people want it. Because what they do is once you get those pictures and stuff developed, HUD looks at them and says, okay, this apartment We'll give you one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to renovate it. This apartment, all this money that came down to fix these places up and renovate them, there's nothing but none. They've been allowed to deteriorate over years. The city would like to, just like this little voucher program they've got. It's a lot Nine, I, I, I even round it up. I say nine hundred eighty thousand dollars. If you help a 1,000 people, that's only $900. That doesn't go a lot for rent, especially when you're considering I've moved out and I've got 11 more months to go. If you help 500 people, that's only $1,800. And you're gonna give them a voucher to go where? Fluvanna? Then they become Fluvanna's problem. And being Fluvanna's a rural area, they don't get as much federal or state funds as we do. We have to be about our business. There are units that are sitting vacant in public housing that a local contractor, small or big, could come in and be refurbishing. And when I say refurbish, let's understand something. We need to update them. We can renovate and update. There should be washer and dryers in these units. If Sharita has three kids and a job at Wendy's. She's got to take her money and go out to a laundromat. And no disrespect to laundromats, but those things are expensive. Why can't she just wash and dry her clothes there? You know, we need to get central air and heat. Crescent Halls is a perfect example where the elevator should have been renovated but we keep talking about affordable housing. There's two differences. There's affordable housing and there's low-income housing or city housing. And there are two different things. Low-income and city housing gets a lot of federal money, even to renovate it, to keep it up. There's no reason why it shouldn't be. Affordable housing is, I work, I may make 25000 $30,000 a year, But at the same time, once tax comes out, which is around 20% for most people, I don't have that much to pay $1,200 for one bedroom. And if I need a three bedroom, we're not even thinking about that. And it's not about greed, it's about what the city has done and put in place in their ordinances, their actions and all this. That's a unique thing too. Developers actually want to help. They want to do things. They want affordable housing. But the city wants to restrict it, that it has to look like this, or, oh, we need to put solar panels on it. They don't tell the whole truth. When those solar panels break, solar panels are not cheap. So if you're making $30,000, you finally get an affordable house, and your solar panels break, you know, you're in there. you got to fix those yourself.
0: Kenneth Jackson, thank you for participating in this interview with Charlottesville tomorrow.
1: Thank you for having me.